Hello, this is Bros Watch PLL2. I am Benjamin Light. And I'm Martin Sparks. And today we are talking about S2E17 of Pretty Little Liars, mm-hmm. entitled The Blonde Leading the Blind. Right. Now, you know, I read something on Reddit the other day, and this could be full shit, but mm-hmm. uh, apparently blonde without an E is supposed to be the male version of blonde, and blonde mm-hmm. with an E is a female version. Hmm. I don't know if that's true. Could just be a kind of a local affectation like it, it might be one of the potato potato type thing you know um mm. or like the way they spell like favorite in in, in england right but if you, it is true oh you like who, who would the blonde male be like toby i think Jenna. i saw something where obviously this is not this is not canon it's dumb it's just a note i think i saw something where like the guy who plays holden's natural hair color is blonde and they specially dyed it black for this that'd be like a really deep reference yeah yeah. Um, do you want to do a real quick call out to Trish Veneziano? Yeah, somebody left us a comment. That was really cool. Um, Trish, I, can't I said re- your name really fast, so it seemed like I was pronouncing it right, right? Mm-hmm. I can't respond to the comment because it would involve spoilers, but I will, uh, not on the podcast, but I will on the, the S2E16 page if anyone's curious to, to go from, join in in that conversation. Um, there's spoilers there, so just, be aware if you want to go join in, it's uh, you'd have to be up to date on the show to really follow along. But it's interesting too, is because like I said, I'm catching up with the show, you know, through the podcast because there are bits and pieces I missed. And mm-hmm. her, her, she just like, lays a theory on us, which is a deep theory. It's interesting, but it uh, it involves like a callback to an episode we did not too long ago on the podcast, the Badass Seed. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Not bad, Trish. Not bad. Yeah. Thanks for the comment. And also, uh, anyone else out the there, fact, we like getting them, so that was yeah, cool. Yeah. It cued me in the fact that one character is actually called this by the fans, too. I didn't realize it at the time. Mm, okay. You know the character I'm talking about. But anyway, um, yeah, right on, Trish. Let's get to this episode, which is a great title. The Blonde Leading the Blind. We open up. Hannah, she's got a uh, flash drive with her. It's some more video from Caleb on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caleb's been hacking away at that video because, as we all know, if you have a corrupt video file, you just keep typing on your keyboard. You and just it gets yeah, it gets clearer, like it gets more. The resolution increases, you know. Uh, we're gonna spend so much time in that scene. I can't wait to share my notes from that scene. But uh, yeah, Caleb has just been working day and night on like uh, decoding. I'm gonna use that phrase loosely, decoding mm-hmm. these videos. Um, and so the video starts off with it's it's what we've seen before of Alice and Ian at the Kissing Rock. And so the girls are like, well, what the fuck is this shit, Caleb? We've seen this before. But then it cuts to Allison's room. And Ian Thomas, RIP, is he's hiding a camera is what it appears to be doing. He's kind of like hunched over the camera, putting it somewhere, and then moving stuff in front of it so they can see that he's he's hiding a camera in Allie's room. Mm-hmm. And then Jenna and Garrett show up in the room. Now, you, of course, you, you obviously get treated to a lot of just Ian's, just his face right there. But mm-hmm. kudos to the previously on package for once again flashing us the yearbook photo. Like, yes. if there's a drinking game involved with PLL, it really should involve different types of shots that you take. And I think every time you see Ian's face, it should be absent. Well, I think that I know you want to kiss me. Like, that's a shot right there. We got yeah, yeah, that yeah, in the yeah, preview. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's like Everclear. <laughs> well, so before they start watching this video, Arya was like, her, her new suspect is Garrett. Like, if it wasn't Lucas, it was Garrett working for Jenna. Getting, well, yeah, she, uh, she specifically mentions that now that, like, Lucas is cleared. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that Lucas is clearly a little bitch. 
exactly. So then in the video, Jenna and Garrett show up and Garrett mentions that Jason's passed out from a six pack and, and some weed. Uh, and a, so he, a six pack of weed will do that to you. Yeah. He says, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I think Jason's a little bitch too. I'm just saying. Yeah, maybe a six pack and some weed passes you out. Okay, man. Um, Ian has called this emergency meeting of the club because uh, he he went to see Allison, but he can't get the videos back from her. Mm-hmm. And Garrett's like, "Oh, this is why I bailed on you guys." Like Garrett's kind of playing it like he's like not involved. Um, and then the Garrett he he finds Allie's little box, the Wood the box, box yeah. that that Arya got from Jason eventually, and he opens it up and he says, "That's weird," and then it stops. Yeah. Uh, and so Hannah is like freaking out at this point. She wants Caleb to stop digging deeper. Um, we, we've basically seen that the NAT club, they were all in Rosewood in Allie's bedroom the night Allie was murdered. So this is like, it's, it's getting too hot. She doesn't want Caleb investigating this anymore. And Hannah's committed the cardinal sin of Spencer in that she used the word stop. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're going to. On vacation, we delved into how much we enjoyed Jacob Clifton's rewrites or uh, recaps on uh, television about pity. And again, the house motto of Spencer's house is can't stop, won't stop. Yeah. And I wanted to cut, there's like a, a scene or two. I'm going to skip here, but I wanted to talk about this now because there's no other really good way to talk about it. Um, they're a, a different meeting like a day later. Hannah thinks that they've got enough info now. They've got all their suspects in the same room talking about Allison the night she died. They should go to the cops with it. Uh, and as she's kind of arguing with the other liars, she still want more. She picks up the doll that was in the box, the the box from Allison, mm-hmm. and the doll's head kind of flops over. This is a doll that Allison would hide stuff in, uh, and so they see that she's hidden a bunch of weird shit in the doll's head, and they take it out, and there are all these threatening notes, like uh, "My turn to torture you" is one of the notes. Yeah. They're not signed A, but the the liars note that wow, these all sound pretty familiar. The kind of one of the notes tone. is scared yet. You will be bitch. Mm-hmm. And there's one of them that uh, has like a like a a cut in it, like as though uh, somebody cut it, and and it's from a Halloween invitation. I like that Nolcon makes uh, invitations for his Halloween parties. Yeah, yeah. So they realize that it's from the Halloween uh, time a couple of years ago. So we flash back. To uh, you know the the night of the Halloween episode from the, the first secret, yeah. from the first secret, yeah. And it's the liars are walking home to Allie's house, and Allie finds her porch trashed and like well, all the, the every sorry, line yeah. that Sasha Pieter reveals as Allison is like is she, this chick really did belong in film noir because she mm-hmm. says something like back alleys are always the best way to my house. <laughs> It's like she's like a 14-year-old Marlene Dietrich. Yeah. So the the porch is trashed. Like, a lot of the jack-o'-lanterns are all busted up. And then there's the pumpkin with the knife in it. And uh, it's like the the invitation, a note written on the back of that invitation is, like, stuck in the knife. And Allie reads it but keeps it to herself and says uh, it's from one of Jason's beer buddies and plays it off. Mm-hmm. And at this point, the girls all kind of want to bail. They're tired. It's late. But Allie talks them all into staying over. And she she does that thing where she apologizes because she's obviously manipulating them, you know? And she's like, oh, well, I'm sorry, guys. It's a great thing because it, it's, it's basically like where the first secret ended. This is like the scene after that. 
Yeah, and yeah. and they don't they don't like tread on any of that stuff. Like Emily's just like we should call it a night because it's you know it's already been kind of a long night, Allie. And Allie's like, oh, I'm so sorry about that prank. You like whiny little bitches. Like, um, but she's yeah. like, oh, stay over. Like, but I like it because we know that like actually she's scared here and she yeah. doesn't want to be alone. But I, I like that like just who who Allie is. She she can never show weakness to the liars, you know. Yeah, like yeah. she she needs them around. She's scared to be alone, but she can't tell them that. She just she needs to find another way to get them to stay, and that's by apologizing and being nice this time. Yeah, the truth is not how any of these these five characters work. Mm-hmm. And so then, back in the present day, they're they're reading this this note that was stabbed into the pumpkin, and there's a corner kind of folded over, and they unfold it and see that. It's actually signed A in the bottom right corner where the the corner was covering, and so they they do the classic uh, PLL you know gasp you know <gasps> which which I've seen a hell of a lot of editing some video lately, um, and so they now now they know that A was after Allison before any of the, any of the stuff started with them. This is this has been going on for a long time. We knew we knew that already as an audience, but. Now the liars know as well. Well, it's kind of like you know when you think about like Batman Begins. There was portions where Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne was like running around Gotham City like in a ninja outfit, but mm-hmm. like there was a particular night where he was finally really Batman. Mm-hmm. And basically, the first secret was really the first time that you saw A, or first time well, that A really functioned. First time A became A. Yeah. 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 And so I'm glad the girls know that now. They. Mm-hmm. Now, because it really starts to make you question Allison herself. Like, we know she's basically a sociopath. But then you have to wonder, was she being threatened and manipulated by A the whole time, too? Because obviously these girls seem like insane psycho bitches to other people because of things Mm -hmm. they've had to do because of A. And so maybe Allison was getting that pressure as well. Maybe, Maybe that's why she was so insistent on, like, telling... Uh, like blackmailing Arya about like her mom and the affair, and or uh, blackmailing Spencer about kissing Ian. Like maybe there's more to that than we, we've known so far. Right, right. Like maybe Allison was getting like weird texts and things herself. But too, mm. like in case there's any like nuance or issues, like it sets aside. I think for the first time that even though you know in the first secret Allison was getting harassment, there is no question now. Allison is not a. Yeah, yeah. In case you were wondering if it was some sort of otherworldly supernatural thing where she's haunting her friends right right mm-hmm. well, because like, right. like i said in the be- beginning of the season it's kind of a, or the first season it's kind of implied that a might be allison but no that's mm-hmm. not the case at all um but speaking of the letter a aria aria <laughs> Um, oh, Arya. You know, it's funny. One of our listeners absolutely hates Arya, and I just don't see why. She's so much fun. I mean, she's horrible, but that's what makes her fun. I thought JJ hated Ezra. He hates Arya, too? In, just by, you know, the transitive property of Ezra, yeah. I was going to say, JJ, if I may dr- address you directly, like, if you don't like Arya, I don't know why you listen to this podcast. Because it's like, sometimes we only talk about the other girls as a courtesy. <laughs> She is one of the most fun people to recap just because there's such a strong disconnect between what's going on in her brain and like what's actually happening in the world. And this episode is one of those key examples, as is the last few episodes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like, really, like, the, that's why the, your theory is so fun, is because Ari and Spencer are the most fun characters. Mm-hmm. And it really just, the theory really, like, like kind of excuses and hand waves away. Well, let me, 
something I've noticed uh, just from recent episodes, and this isn't a spoiler or anything, but could you make the argument that both Emily and Hannah grow as characters over time, but Arya yes. and Spencer essentially stay the same? Arya and Spencer stay exactly the same, but get more intense. Yeah, yeah. It's like they double down on all of that Arya and Spencerness. Mm-hmm. They're not learning. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and the anus of the show grows. Mm-hmm. So Arya is worried about that she won't see Ezra again because he he bailed from that play. Which well, I mean, she's she's like Ezra doesn't even want to talk to me. What's up with that, guys? And she's like, I can't give him any more time. I need answers, you know. Yeah. It's been like There's, what a day. I, yeah, yeah, really. They're they're sitting at the school like in that little like quad area, like a, a lunch table together or something like that, or a break table, whatever. But uh, so she's trying to like still you know, find a way to like on the down low meet with Ezra. And so, but Arya without her parents or a knowing. Yeah. Arya is very proud to have her beard. And then Emily gets to explain to everyone else what a beard is. Yeah. That's uh, the resident gay expert. Y'all. Yeah. She's like, Oh yeah. Arya has a beard in Holden, you know? And, and the, the other liars are like, Oh yeah. And Arya's like, what? And they're like, yeah, he's gay. <laughs> And Arya's like, the hell you say? The girls almost do like that, like teacup pinky out thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I kept waiting for one of the, I kept waiting for Hannah to be like, not that there's anything wrong with that, you know? And I like how their, their evidence Arya is, they say, has he ever tried to kiss you? She says, no. And they're like, gay. <laughs> and Arya, like, it, it suddenly occurs to her for the first time, like, oh, that's weird. There's a guy out there that doesn't like me like that. Maybe he is gay. Yeah, a man uh, who doesn't throw himself at Arya, clearly a homosexual. Mm-hmm. Especially a man her age. Um, yeah, so Arya goes over and out, talks to Holden. Can, can we talk about what Arya's wearing just for a second? Please, God, yes. I just want to talk about the uh, the, the bottom of the ensemble. It's mm-hmm. This is either like really, really short jean shorts or a jean skirt. I think it's actually a jean skirt. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so short that there's like pockets that stick out well below the hem. Yeah. It's yeah. so ugly. Yeah, it's white. What are you doing, Arya? But especially with those boots. But then she has like a like a fancy top on, like Arya, so wacky. Yeah, yeah. So Arya has to go over and talk to Holden. Yeah, she has to go over and talk to Holden right away because it's like, like, huh? Let me go lay on the charm and see how this guy reacts. Right, right, right. Um, Holden and Arya are pretty keenly keeping each other in the dark about their mysterious mm-hmm. plans. Because remember, Holden is also using Arya. He's doing something. He wants to do something, too. And he needs her to be his cover, just as she needs him to be her cover. Um, what I like, too, is that Holden drops, like, a not-too-subtle criticism of Ezra because he walks out on plays. Yeah. Like, Holden, sick, man sick of the burn. arts. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so they, the they kind of... Yeah. They kind of cover, once again, they're going to go out... Uh, you know, and, and fake date each other for their own purposes. And then as Arya's walking away, she looks back and Holden's like checking out some black chick that walks by. And he so is she's giving like, himself an eye full of ass. And Arya, this is one of the, the great like Arya gifts online is you can find this, this look of her narrowing her eyes as she watches it. Yeah. 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 I mean, as he is just like burying his face in like some, this like Nubian princess's ass, Arya is like, like, like if there was a mirror nearby, they would have done that thing where Arya like looks over, looks over her own reflection, does like the butt clench. They really would have. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, the next day, like Arya's in an empty classroom, leaving Ezra in, a voicemail from Emily's phone. E- she's in Ezra's old empty classroom. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Um, and she says, "I really don't want to think about us being over." But basically, she's setting up an ultimatum. Ultimatum here. He needs to come meet her in Philly, or it might be over. He says, "If he come, it means there's still a chance for us. If not, and then the message ends." Well, it's, it's such a mixed metaphor too, because if they are over, if that is going to happen. She feels like she deserves to be told in person. Mm. So if you come to tell her in person, that means there's a chance for us. <laughs> I mean, Arya, like again, this is this flashes back to the uh no, if you ever cared about me, you'll keep your mouth shut about this thing I'm doing. Yeah. And then we we cut to Ezra there, getting the voicemail in his office. And he, I I like he has like a special version of iOS on his phone where there's a delete option that you for can hit. Yeah. Yeah, like immediately, like you don't Before have to you like even listen to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ezra has a special iOS, uh, and so he's like, he's you know, his fingers hovering over the delete button. He's he hasn't even listened to it yet. Yeah, uh, but he decides to ignore it. Mm-hmm. Later on, yeah. Later on, it's Ella and Arya as Arya's you know getting ready or whatever, and Ella's like, "Do you really need to go to Philly for this shit? You know, for your well, date with uh, Holden." We're going to get into this later because it's obviously part of the episode later, but something happened mm-hmm. to Toby and Ella's just like, how's Spencer doing? I heard about Toby. This and Arya's is, like, um, I don't care. Yeah. Arya's just like, this is my, this is my room. This is the temple of Arya, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah so th- then, yeah, like you said, uh, uh, Ella's like with this date of Holden. Arya's like, well, it's not a date. We're just catching up. And I was like, well, if you guys are just catching up, like why the fuck do I have to drive your ass all the way to Philadelphia? And, uh, Arya once again delivers a perfectly horrible lie after she like freezes and panics for a second. This is she a says, real, she's really spinning a web of lies here. Says, Holden's been in the wilds of Portugal. Like mm-hmm. the wilds of Portugal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dirty <laughs> I think yeah. his social skills could use some shock treatment. He was probably like in more in like an urban setting than Arya's ever been in her life. You know? You're, you're nice enough to the Arya character that you didn't go on a limb and say that he's probably more cultured than she is. I would say, yeah. I mean, I think I think that's. Don't you dare say that's Aria. The wilds of Portugal. Like, have you been to Portugal, Aria? Yeah. First of all, if you can speak Portuguese, that's pretty Mm -hmm. impressive because that's apparently the hardest language to learn. But uh, uh, I don't have much to say about Aria's entire outfit in this particular scene. But she's wearing this hideous bug pin (laughs) thing. It's like a fly or something. It's ridiculous. She often wears like spider necklaces. I don't know her. I feel like there's like a secret code there. I just haven't cracked. Arya dresses in uh, obscure, like Baroque metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ella, Ella, for some reason, buys this bullshit about giving shock treatment to uh, Holden, or at least she doesn't care. There's something about Holly Marie Combs's acting that I don't know if we should be praising or criticizing. <laughs> she plays it very—I don't want to say aloof, but it's—it it's it like, almost kind of seems like she's she. Uh, knows more than she lets on but maybe she doesn't you know? this is this is going to be a deep reference that's going to piss off a lot of internet people but it's oh. like when you watch the uh the prequels for star wars right mm-hmm. and you're like you're like you walk out of the, for the few people who are like that doesn't add up and you go back and you watch episode four and you're like you know what sells the prequels is alec guinness because yeah, he's yeah. so on the nose and aloof about everything you know, like rubbing his chin, playing it very cool. That's Holly Marie Combs. It's like you don't well, know if she's well, buying this shit or if she's like, uh huh, uh huh. Well, keep. Well, going. let me throw this out. Maybe yeah. this is her parenting style. 
is to always kind of act like she knows more to kind yeah. of try to keep Arya on her heels. Like, right, right. maybe that's just, she's like, I'm full of shit. My kid doesn't know that, so I'm just going to keep acting this way. And that's if that's the case, on one hand, I want to say, good job, Ella. On the other hand, I want to say, you are Dr. Frankenstein, and you are building a monster. I mean, I'll be honest, if I ever have kids, that's probably how I would try to roll with them, you know? Yeah, yeah, because mm -hmm. if you're going to make a mistake, act like it was your plan all along. Mm-hmm. So, Arya's still not allowed to drive herself, so Ella's going to drive her. And this is Byron's so, orders, too. Ella yeah. says. Later on, Ella drops them both off, and Arya does, like, the fakest, like, uh, you know, wave goodbye. And Holden turns to her, and he says, Does it ever bother you, lying to her? And Arya says, Of course. And she's totally lying when she says it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it clearly does not bother you at all, Arya. And Holden says, but you do it anyway. <laughs> and then in, in my fan fiction, Arya says, uh, lying is like 95% of what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so Holden just wants to know that Arya is like committed to uh, their arrangement because he's got his own shit going on. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, yeah I'm retarded for Ezra. Yeah, well, at first, Arya, she like, uh, she justifies everything with what Ella doesn't know isn't going to hurt her. <laughs> But yeah, I really like it's. It's a very subtle, and Arya is so self-centered; she doesn't pick up on it. But Holden is kind of creepy about the fact that he needs to know that she's as committed to her lie as he is to his, whatever that Arya, is. Arya never really picks up too much on the fact that, like, what the fuck is this guy doing that he exactly. needs you to cover for him? If you, if you and somebody are simpatico and how much you're using each other. <laughs> Be scared when the other person yeah. wants to know that you're as committed to this lie as you are. Be very scared. Yeah. Um, Holden zeroes in pretty quickly on how everyone thinks he's gay. Well, because Arya, she, she probes a little about, you know, why he's uh, only pretending to go out with her. And he's like, oh, your friends all think I'm gay, right? And she's like, no, yes. <laughs> um, he says he's not, but uh, what what his real purpose is, he keeps to himself, and Arya really just doesn't even ask further, because I think in her world, like it's normal for these sorts of people to appear to help you out when you need them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if and if he is gay, then somehow he can like spruce up her already strange wardrobe. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Holden bounces eventually, and Arya goes to wait under the clock, where she told Ezra to meet her. Um... And well, then so, the thunder rolls because Arya's emotions control the weather. Yes, and there are about 15 billion shots of Arya looking sad in the rain. But um, So we cut over from, from this to Ezra in his office at Hollis, listening to some student who's whining about his grade on a creative writing story. And so the student's like, why the bee? You know? And Ezra's like, well, I guess I found it unbelievable he's like this is some sappy bullshit basically yeah. um which have you ever argued with about a grade with a teacher like ever in your life no just, no yeah neither have i because <laughs> when you're older and you're in a real college maybe you do that when you're younger and you go to a community college your parents do that for you but uh basically these two bros then debate how realistic quote-unquote true love is well the guy this dude like wrote a short story that, that ezra gave a b to and the story is about a guy who leaves his fiance to get a note, get to get to know a woman he met five minutes ago, like right before his wedding. And Ezra's like, "Well, this is some bullshit," you know. Uh, and the students just like, "No, it's just like this is romance and blah blah." And, and Ezra is like, basically just starts talking about himself and how like sometimes well, like. Before we get into true love, I just want to mm -hmm. re remind the audience in case they've forgotten that Ezra was dating a child. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, oh, that's right. Basically, he's talking to himself about how sometimes things don't work out, and you have to be realistic, and blah blah. And the student's like, "Are we talking about my paper anymore?" Or you know, yeah, yeah. And they, the guy's is like, "Are you dumping your baggage on me, bro?" Yeah, yeah. So finally, Ezra's like, "Fine, I'll, I'll give it another read or whatever." And the, the student he gets up to leave, and he turns around, and he says, "Be bold, and mighty forces will come to your aid." And that's that's his inspiration. That's what his story is about. That inspires it's a, Ezra. It's a quote. Which I, I fucking hate you. this student. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this student's Freudian, a huge douche. Freudian slip in my notes. I wrote down that quote, but I actually wrote down "laid" instead of "aid," <laughs> um, which Ezra's not getting. Um, so yeah. Meanwhile, under the under the clock in Philadelphia, enduring the first of many sad bastard musical montages. Mm-hmm. Arya gets more and more hopeful as each set of passing headlights goes past her. Not to uh, identify with Arya at all because she's so horrible, but um, if you've ever been waiting for someone like that, that does kind of suck. Like, if you've ever been in a mode like that where you're like, yeah. you're like, all right, ten more cars and I'm leaving, yeah, and then ten cars go by and you're like, okay, another ten cars and I'm yeah. leaving, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to give it 30 more cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sad Arya. You're like, well, that car, that car didn't really count. I'm going to wait one more. Yeah, waiting like that sucks. But, would, uh, would you have to rewrite your own rules to make allowances for why the sad thing that you're hoping will happen that you know will never happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, sad Arya is the saddest. Um, so meanwhile, in his office, Ezra finally listens to Arya's voicemail. It's raining now, I should point out. You know? it's, and it's raining, and Arya's waiting, and she's getting sadder. And, uh, just, you know, this is a podcast, so we're just talking about this. But in the episode, this is like maybe 15 minutes of the episode. This is Arya in the rain looking sad. <laughs> so Fitz listens to the voicemail, and he deletes it. Arya's still waiting. It's raining. She's sad, watching each car go by. And then suddenly, uh, she perks up. Is that Could it be? Yes, it's Fitz. Now, Fitz gets out of his car. In the middle of the road, it's like at like a T intersection kind of where you should be turning left or right, but he just pulls right up and stops in the middle of the fucking road. Yeah. Um, Gets out. Sorry, I forgot to mention is that Arya is basically Fry's dog waiting in the rain in Futurama. Oh, Oh, there you go. Yeah. So many feels. I know I'm hitting a lot of like deep references here, but that I feel is it sums it up. But yeah, he stops. He gets out of the thing and he walks up to her and they kiss under the rain. In slow motion. And then uh, I remember the first time I watched this, I'm like, dude, like, it's in the middle of the road. Like, shouldn't the cars behind him be honking or something? Yeah, there and then some it cuts energy. to a wide shot, and you see there's all these cars in the rain stuck right behind his car as they're, like, you know, embracing and swinging each other around. And maybe you don't hear the honking because it's, like, in their world, they don't hear it either or something. But seriously, what a fucking dick. Yeah, <laughs> Get the yeah. fuck out of the road. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is, you know, it's time for people, like, they're trying to go home. Like, the dude just behind Ezra is watching this, and he's just like, ah, Jesus Christ. And he's maybe thinking, how old is that girl? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, there's some kind of, like, larger metaphor, too, about Ari and Ezra in the moments they come back together in the rain. Mm. Because every time they come back together, it's raining. Arya's emotions control the weather. Exactly. And Arya looks good when she's wet. Um... Hmm. So later they're in the car making out and talking and she, she didn't know if he'd actually come and he wasn't sure of it either, which is, is a good, it's a good thing to say, you know, it's a good romantic comedy or whatever expression, but like he did just literally listen to the voicemail and then came running over. So, yeah. um, but he wants well, to realize this shit well, is like, dangerous. 
he's back in, but he, he, they know this is dangerous now. And so he wants her to be sure that this is what she wants to. And of course she's all in as well. Well, she's like, there's and, only one place where I can be sure of this. And he's like, where's that? And she's like, with you. <laughs> and then, uh, he delivers the, uh, very on the nose line of, we're crazy. You know that, right? Yeah. And Arya's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Arya is full on siren singing this man to shipwreck. Mm-hmm. Yes, you guys are both crazy, Ezra and Ari. You're both fucking insane. But she has so, an idea of how they can get out of this predicament. Yeah, and that idea is her beard. So later on, she's uh, Ezra's gone. She's back at where she's going to meet up with Holden. She's just glowing. Uh, mm-hmm. She waits for her mom. Her mom shows up, and Holden is, is like, he's still not back yet. And her mom's like, where's Holden? And Arya just like stares guilty-looking for like she five freezes. minutes. Yeah. Terrible job covering up. Uh, and then Holden, well, like, like, for the first time, the lies are not coming to her. Yeah. And the and moment Holden, gets longer. Holden runs up with some, like a, like a box full of Froyo. Uh, and, and he, he got some for Ella too. And so Ella's like, well, I was going to be suspicious, but he brought Froyo. So, you know. Yeah. And, and he is effortlessly, naturalistically into it with, uh, you know, Arya wanted dessert, but we didn't want to miss you. So she waited mm-hmm. and I went up to get it. And he turns to Arya and he does this very naturalistic, like, by the way, the directions you gave me were off by a block. You know, mm-hmm. and he does that thing where it's like, I didn't know which one you wanted, Ellis. I kind of got both of these. And it's like, he's out aria Arya. Well, completely unplanned. It's not like they discussed this beforehand. Or yeah, anything. yeah. Yeah, he swooped in there and saved her ass. Mm-hmm. And so she basically gives him approval and a smile. And then this look that kind of says, look, nice work, champ. Mm-hmm. Arya got the peanut butter and chocolate for you, by the way. I don't I know if that to... has significance or not. I think it might. I wanted like her later on to be like... uh by the way, I'm allergic to peanut butter and chocolate or something, or I hate this. So I just much. like, Arya, she's so, she's thrilled now to like have this like really handy beard as a bro who can like just make her life easier. Never yeah. once questioning exactly what's going on here. Yeah, exactly. It's like this is the world she lives in and she has a problem and somebody appears and takes care of it for her. I'm just going to throw out these, this suggestion to any of the ladies who are listening and looking for love. You should be the most suspicious of the man of your dreams. Yeah. The answer to all your prayers should be the thing that scares you the most. Um, so, speaking of which, Hannah? Hannah. Uh, I think the first real Hannah bit we get is actually Caleb. He's mm-hmm. he's hacking away on his video at a cafe. So, and- uh, I, I know you really want to tackle this, but my notes, because Caleb is at an outdoor coffee shop working on these videos on his laptop, and my notes mm-hmm. just typing, 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 pixels, pixels, pixels. That's all I Yeah, somebody who's been doing an insane amount of video editing for the past week, it just, you really notice it when stuff like that, you see it in, in a, a TV show or movie. You're just like, yeah, that doesn't work that way. That's the second mention of your video editing. I wonder if that's going to pertain to our Pretty Little Liars listeners later on. It may. It may when uh, when everything hmm. is completed. Wink, there might be wink, a, a, look there the might camera. be a video for people to watch. Yeah. Wink. Um, so yes, yeah, so he looks up from his laptop. He, but he's, he, he's decoding these videos in Allison's room of the NAT club. He looks up from his laptop and there sitting across from him, oh shit, is Officer Garrett Reynolds. Who's in the video right in front of him. Like that's who, what? that's the video that he's sharpening up. It's something of Garrett, you know. Yeah. He looks up and there's Garrett. And so he kind of gets freaked out and he picks up his stuff and leaves. But then Garrett stops him, calls him back. And he's like, hey, you forgot your keys. Garrett is all like cool guy here. Hey, bro, forgot your keys. Garrett wants to bro down. I think he like was hoping to make a new friend. 
Uh, so Caleb's kind of freaked out. He's like, yeah, thanks, you know. And then Garrett, he just he decides that it's time for him to like deliver a little soliloquy about how he, he's dissociative. Oh, please uh, do it. He says, oh man, I totally know what that's like. You get so wrapped up in something, you forget where you are. Two hours later, it's like, where did I park my car? Did I even drive here? Like, he's, he's telling this, he's a cop, he's telling this to some teenage boy about how, like, he, like, has gaps in his memory where he doesn't know how he got, got places. What I love is that, like, on one hand, I feel like you're supposed to take this as, like, this, like, sinister thing. Where, like, well, I think that's how Caleb's like, taking it. But he's just, like, he's, like, basically, like, what's up, bro? I'm watching you. I'm in your head. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's just, like, Garrett's a fucking weirdo. He's a fucking hardcore nerdy weirdo. Well, I think, I think Caleb is taking it as, like, a threat. But I don't, I don't think that's Garrett's intention. I feel like Garrett is like just revealing a little too much about his own mind right here. And all I have in my notes for this, the ending of this scene is just, it's gotta be hard out there for all the sad young bros of Rosewood. Mm hmm. It's a town full of nothing but creeps. Yeah, because I mean, like, when you get older, you're seasoned, you're an older man, it makes sense, you're gonna go after all the young girls. When you're in high school and in your early 20s, there's not a whole lot for you. Mm hmm. Except for weirdness. Did I even drive here? <laughs> Why would you tell that to some person you never met? It's it's almost like a cross between like lyrics from like a Billy Joel song, like a Bruce Springsteen song, like a Talking Head song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So so um, we're in that scene that we talked about earlier with uh, we're in Arya's room where the girls mm-hmm. are are looking at the doll and they find the notes. Uh, my real quick note about Hannah here is that. She's basically wearing one of Arya's outfits, Ooh. which is kind of like the cross, like an American girl doll, like meets like a leopard print hooker. Um, That's fair. Yeah, I mean it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so the next next big scene here, uh, we start off with Mona, who mm-hmm. still looks very kind of wounded about Noel. She she walks past Noel like joking with his bros in the hallway at school and. It's clear that, like, Noel is, like, he's not looking over her and, like, poor Mona, you know. Uh, and Hannah really hasn't, uh, you know, sistered down with her about this at all. And no. she walks in, she, you know, she's talking, I think it's, like, to Emily or, or Spencer. And they're, like, she, they're like, have you talked to Mona yet? And she's, like, no, not really. Uh, but she goes over to talk to Mona. And she basically, like, her message is, like, ah, Noel sucks, you know. But Mona's pretty mad that Hannah just hasn't even been there. The thing that's really important about all television and movie depictions of high school, and movies, mm-hmm. obviously, you get that scene where the characters walk through the lunchroom and like label all the clicks out for you. Yeah, yeah. Is that sense of like clarity? I remember, like, when I think about like our high school. I really don't remember like who was top tier popular kids. I remember like who were these the the you know well known assholes that I hated, and who were the attractive women that I I kind of had a, like a like a boner for. Um, presumably, Noel Kahn is like the king, like the it's alpha the male BMOC, king. Yeah, yeah. So like you got to figure like these jackass losers he's hanging out with and joking around with, like they've got to be pretty high up there in the totem pole. Mm-hmm. And so um, they got to be like the uh, the Dick Casablancas, you know, of Rosewood High. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, them and the Logan Eccles. So Mona, she's still pretty mad at Hannah for like really not being there when she needed her. And so Mona pulls a, a necklace that Noel had given her out of her locker, walks over to Noel to give it back, and like in front of his friends, kind of getting all up in his face. And Noel's just a complete douche. She's just like, yeah. "Sorry, no returns, no exchanges." Because uh, he clearly doesn't care, and so Mona is like, "Well, you're gonna take it anyway," and gives it to him, and so he just like throws it away right in front of her. 
And I like how there's like there's like a shift here where Mona it came out really fierce, but now suddenly she seems so much smaller and shorter than all the bros because she is pretty short, and yeah. she kind of she's noticing them all just like she's obviously like there for their her, uh, for their amusement at that point, and so she kind of shrinks and runs away and starts crying because uh, it's hard to uh, be fierce and in your face when there's like a bunch of bros just laughing at you. Yeah. Before that though. When Hannah tried to sidle up to Mona and, and be friends with her, and she's heard about you and Noel, Mona has this like adorably like like fear like attempted fierce line of like mm-hmm. people in China have heard about me and Noel. <laughs> um, so, so Mona runs to the bathroom to cry. Hannah comes in to comfort her, and <laughs> Hannah says, "You are the worst person for you to be around right now." To Mona, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, I, I meant that in a good way." <laughs> exactly. And I like how they, they keep telling Mona, like, oh, Noel isn't worth it. But, like, that's totally not helping because that's not what Mona's concerned about. You know, well, obviously, she, as she said in the last episode, she had to try super hard to get Noel. She doesn't like hearing that he's not worth it because then who would be, you know? Well, the way she words it is so wrong. She says to Mona something like, uh, like, everyone knows that guy's a fucking idiot or something like that. You know, whatever. And like, yeah. Mona's just like, that's a fucking idiot. I'm still hung up on you, bitch. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Hannah's like saying all the wrong things to her. Um, so then she has this great bit where Mona's talking about Noel and she says, I never knew anyone could lie like that. Who could lie like that? It was like second nature to him. <laughs> and she thinks it's those hypnotizing eyes. He could be a good supervillain. So, yeah. File that away. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Hannah and Mona, Hannah's trying to get back on like the, you know, the Mona wagon, be, be good of her again. And so they make a plan to have like, like a girl's night date tonight at some mm-hmm. club restaurant thing. At the only restaurant in town. Yeah. The only restaurant. In t- well, there's, there's two. Oh, the, this is the yeah. Other. There's two. Yeah. The ro- Apple, Applewood grill, Apple Rose grill is going to disappear like after season two. So this is the other run. Um, so Mona, you know, she's, she's happy. She's got her friend back. This is what she needs right now. She's on a period. She's going to rebuild her self-esteem. So she marches off out of the bathroom. Hannah does that thing where she then like kind of smiles at her own appearance in the mirror before <laughs> leaving. And then what I love is that like they do this thing where they linger on the bathroom stall door for a little too long. And you're kind of like, what's going on here? It's, it's too long though. Like, I, what I, that's what I love about it. It's, it, it's so yeah. imperfect that it's perfect. And then the door opens. And of course, it's Jenna thing. Yeah. Yeah. He walks out of the stall and like the, the music is like full menacing, even though Jenna just yeah. kind of walks out and looks around, you know. You or, could, you, you know. could sub in the Empire's theme from Star Wars every time <laughs> yeah. Jenna walks in a room. Imperial March starts playing a little bit louder. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, uh, so later we're at Hannah's house and Caleb shows up. Caleb comes over, he's got a flash drive with more video on it, and he's he's put together enough by now that he's like, this is about Allison DeLaurentis' murder, isn't it? Well, uh, so he, he walks in, and Hannah's just ecstatic to see him, because she's like, I, I was so worried about you. Because she knows mm-hmm. he's he's taken on this task for her, and it's, it's driving her nuts, it's making her, I mean, she's almost doing that thing where like her hand is shaking when she holds a glass or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Caleb is just like, yeah, you're worried about me, what the fuck do you have me decoding here? <laughs> yeah. So he wants to know what they're looking into if, because somebody else has already confessed to this. And Hannah says that whatever he's imagining isn't as bad as, as uh, the truth, basically. 
there's there's some great parallels between the various liars in this scene, which which this is a great episode for your theory, but it also kind of plays up a little bit because mm-hmm. um, Spencer and Hannah are going to basically go through the same odyssey over the course of this episode. But curiously, so are Caleb and Toby because all that Caleb wants in this is some fucking answers. Mm-hmm. Um, so- he, but he he makes the cardinal sin of basically telling Hannah multiple times here, I can protect you. Yeah, but Hannah is afraid, not for herself, but for Caleb. Essentially, yeah. she can't protect him. That's why she wants him to stop looking into it, which I like that they turn that around, and it's not just like, oh, the manly man's going to protect you. It's like, right, right. no, you idiot. Like, you've got it backwards. You're the one who needs protection. Exactly, exactly. Caleb is the damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. Um, so he mentions that he's a little worried because the people in these videos are in this town, and they're looking at him. They're watching him. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's yeah. going off on a whole thing about that. And, K- and Hannah jumps in and grabs a flash drive out of his hand and throws it in the blender. And then turns the blender on and destroys the flash drive. Yeah. And Kayla's just like, what the fuck are you doing? That took me all day. And basically, Hannah's like, you're fired from your, your job as like the, the phone tech guy for us now. Yeah, we exactly. no longer require a cyber rule skills. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so later, later on... Ashley uh, Ashley notices the broken blender in the trash and is like, what's up with that? And Hannah's like, oh, me and Caleb had a fight. And so Hannah doesn't want to talk about it, but Ashley probes. And I like Hannah asks uh, if, if Ashley ever kept a secret from, from their dad, from her, her husband. And her first secret is just like about like, uh, like dad like painted the room an ugly color. And Hannah's like, whatever. But so she gets a deeper one. And I, I love that the that Ashley's giving this to Hannah because this is pretty adult. Um, Ashley says that once uh, a dude I didn't write down the name is like basically her husband's best friend. Once that dude made a pass at her when he was drunk, but uh, she kept it to herself because she she basically told the guy like you know do it again and I'll and I'll you know tell. But otherwise she's not going to because it would just hurt her husband. Right. Some um, life lessons for the Gilmore girls here. Exactly, exactly. I, I, and I hope that the thing that somewhere in college classes across the nation, somebody is comparing Hash, Ashley and Hannah Marin to Lorelai and Rory Gilmore. Mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, I believe Rory is actually her nickname. Her name actually is Lorelai Jr. or whatever. Um, mm. But yeah, so the, the, Ashley's very cool. Ashley's a very cool mom because the subtext on this kind of mother-daughter moment is, you know, honey, I'm telling you this story. I'm here for you. I want to hear about your fight with your boyfriend because obviously it was important because obviously my fucking blender is the victim here. <laughs> what the fuck kind of fight did you have that my blender has to eat some shit? Yeah. But Hannah's not giving that secret up. Hannah's not giving up. But I mean, that's some some worldly knowledge that, you know, it's like, how would you pass that on? Like, you know, kind of letting Hannah know sometimes it's better to just keep your mouth shut about things. But the, the yeah, exactly. But the precedent is sent though, because, uh, obviously, as we've seen in the past, Hannah, you know, made her mom feel better at times by just telling mm-hmm. her how fat, like, <laughs> her, her, her dad's new woman is. Yeah. 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 So Hannah's like, oh, sorry, I gotta go. Gotta go meet with Mona. So her and Mona are about to walk into that one other restaurant in town. Well, so this exchange of dialogue is fantastic. Mona, they're walking down the street, the one street in Rosewood, which where I guess everything exists other than like Mm -hmm. Spencer, Emily, Aria, Allison's house. But Mona says, 
I can't wait to down a few shots and flush <laughs> Noel Khan out of my system. And Hannah says, well, I thought you lost your fake ID. And Mona's like, oh, I've got another one to use. Well, she's like, a friend gave me another one. Like, it's, it is a strange exchange. And I don't know if it's just something we're not supposed to read into or, or I don't know what. Like, right. uh, it, it is kind of a weird exchange. How she just like, like, who's this friend that gave you another one? You know, um, you feel like the show has never spent enough time with Mona. Mm hmm. And I don't know if it's just because the Mona character is so fascinating or because like the, the character is, you know, not, not badly written at times, but Janelle Parrish is knocking that shit out of the park. Well, it's, it's like they give you just enough. Yeah. But just, yeah. It, just enough to make you want so much more. Mm -hmm. So they get to the restaurant before they walk in, they see through the window that Noel Khan is uh, having a romantic dinner with Jennifer inside. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I guess we're supposed to presume that, like, Jennifer, like, heard that Noel Khan was back on the market and it decided, like, oh, well, fuck you, Mona. I'm going to go start dating him now. Well, so we didn't really talk about it, but when, when Jennifer popped out of that bathroom stall, mm -hmm. it was like you're watching that scene. And maybe it's just me, but I kept waiting for her to do this kind of, like, villain smile. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She never quite does, but it's like, it's almost like, I don't want to get like all Wiccan uh, sign on it, but it's like almost like the absence of the villain's smile was more creepy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But, um, Hannah at first takes this sight even harder than Mona does, to which point Mona, Mona has to be like, hey, don't take it so hard. I'm the one who got dumped. Well, Mona's trying to play it cool. And Hannah's pissed for her, so they're, they're going to go somewhere else, but then Mona kind of lingers watching and just you know feeling bad about herself it, 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 there's like a sense of just like ultimate like d like blackness pit of self-despair mm -hmm. and loathing but also like pure hateful look as she stares <laughs> at that window for a moment it's fucking jenna thing it's kind of hot but it makes you really like think about jenna like jenna jenna now okay as we've seen her who is like Samara from the ring, you know, but <laughs> blind. But at the same time, like we're, we're coupling it with like Jenna from the first secret, like Jenna from the past. Mm -hmm. Jenna is apparently like the ultimate, like seductress in this town. Like she's got some kind of like sexy, like sorceress powers. Well, she seems to know how to get exactly what she wants from dudes. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, like Nolcon is now taken with her. Toby succumbed. <laughs> Garrett is insane for her even ezra found her stories like compelling yeah yeah she's got some power she's got the not unlike allison in a way you know Ooh. all Makes right so uh that's about it for hannah here um I, we're actually going to combine emily and spencer here uh not only because they're the same character essentially but uh Emily has nothing to do in this episode that is not related to Spencer. So I, I think we're just going to put them all together here. Take that theory. Like she's, she's got no plot line of her own, no Maya, which is always nice. Um, so yeah. well, Spencer Maya's, and Emily. Maya's reference, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Maya gets reference. That's about it. So at the very start of the episode, uh, Spencer and Emily are in Spencer's room, having a little chit chat, having a little like self to self, uh, you know, talk. Mm hmm. As Toby's pulling up outside. Well, before that, Spencer gets a text from A, and it's a picture of her and Toby making out from a couple episodes ago when Spence went to go oh, see her. Yeah, yeah. And the text says, I warned you. 
And so Spencer's like, ah, shit. You know, this, like, this we, we got caught, like, Ace saw us, like, that one time I went to see him when we were supposed to be broken up. Well, this is fascinating, too, because uh, two things. One, uh, the warning or the tasking from A a few episodes ago was keep Toby safe. Mm-hmm. As if back when you kind of assumed that maybe Jenna was A, it was like Jenna was saying to Dispenser, keep Toby safe from outside forces. Now it's kind of like A is saying, like, I'm going to burn your little boyfriend, Spencer Hastings. But uh, also, um, Spencer has this great line uh, when Emily kind of questions this kiss. And Spencer's like, hey, girl, I had a moment of weakness. Now he thinks we're back together. <laughs> yeah, Toby does. Uh, so yeah. Toby rolls up out front. And he starts calling Spencer's phone, and Spencer and Emily are kind of watching from the window. And Spencer is like, I can't deal with this, and makes Emily answer the phone uh, to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just so awkward. Uh, I, I can't remember if I told the story on the podcast before. I once had to text a dude for my roommate, my female roommate, to let him know like it wasn't happening anymore with uh, my roommate. Mm-hmm. And it just felt so skeezy to... On the one hand, you, it's like you're imagining if this was you getting like the bro text, it'd be like, God, that must suck. But on the other, there is like a certain thrill to it. You know, give us like, a taste of the words you used. I don't even remember, to be honest. It was just like, I'm sorry, but she doesn't want to hang out with you or something like that. Did you text like from your female roommate's phone? Or no, from, from my phone, from my phone. Nice. It was just so mean. Uh-huh. Nice. Um, what makes this particular scene even better is that it's Spencer's phone. Emily is answering it, talking to Toby. You know, they're friends still. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to contend with, like, why is Emily have Spencer's phone? She doesn't say that Spencer's in the shower or whatever like Spencer suggests. So she, she can't come to the phone. <laughs> she can't come to the phone. Um, at certain points, you can actually hear Spencer on the phone, <laughs> like, giving, like, uh, Emily notes. Like, just get rid of him, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Toby, he's, he's you know... Down uh, on the lawn below, kind of looking up, talking to Emily, like, how Spencer, like, what's going on? Like, he's fishing there, and Emily's just like, sorry, can't tell you. I have to talk to Spencer about that, except she won't talk to you. Uh, yeah, he, he implies that uh, Spencer, when he saw her last time, he doesn't talk about the kiss at all, even though you think he mm-hmm. wants to. Like, he thinks that Emily's, like, his bro enough that they can high-five and talk about the fact that him and Spencer made out, and he might have gone down on her. But he's like, Spencer was going to tell me some things, dot, dot, dot. Buddy, and you Emily's wanna, like, you sorry, situation's changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Toby, I just have in my notes, Toby, some attitude. Mm-hmm. That's what he gives her. Well, and Emily's like, uh, you know, Spencer's dad's here. Why don't you, why don't you leave? Because he's there to pick up his tools because he obviously got fired by Spencer's dad. Uh, she's like, why don't you come back later? And he's like, when Spencer's not here. And she's like, yeah, that was implied. Toby is smart. You don't realize this in this scene, but later on, as we learn from Mad Men, you always keep a few tools in the tool shed. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can actually hear Spencer on the call tell Emily, get off the call. So. Yeah. Briefly later in another scene where they're all together, Arya is talking about how she thinks it's romantic that that uh, Spencer's protecting someone she loves, and Spencer's like, "No, no, it's not romantic. It's the opposite of romantic." Yeah, yeah, that's the difference between Spencer and Arya. Exactly, exactly. So um, later on, Toby comes over to the Hastings house, and Spence is gone. He's going to get his tools, so he climbs up on that scafolding, uh, which we saw. In the last we saw episode. It. 
we saw A loosening the bolts too, and he gets to the top, and then it just starts shaking around, uh, and then it just it falls over, and there's like a slow mo shot of him falling off the scaffolding as it's falling over, and presumably just laying on the ground. Um, then we cut to the school where Spencer is, and there's this absolutely bizarre zoom in on her. Well, she it's, gets it's like this, this really quick cut. Like as soon as Toby falls, it like cut to Spencer zoom in, gets the call. And screams out, no! <laughs> it's just, it's very, because the outfit that she's wearing and the way they zoom in on her, they make her seem very tiny and thin and frail. Very Arya-ish, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but tall. Because, so, I mean, Arya again is four yeah. feet tall and Spencer so, is like normally human sized. Um, so, so Toby's in the hospital. He broke yeah. his arm and has a concussion. He's, he's which, telling Toby, yeah, he's telling Spencer fine. what happened and then fucking Ren walks in. Ren walks in and says, you must be the carpenter. Yes! <laughs> I, I haven't yet explored my uh, Toby's Jesus uh, you know, analysis <laughs> any further, but they keep calling him that, so I can only assume that that's intentional. So, where does that make Ren? Like, like uh, Judas? All I know is that there are times in this episode where Toby, he kind of tries to get hard with Ren, but I feel like Ren's just like, bitch, please. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. There are some moments later on in this episode, but... um. So Ren's like, oh, you must be the carpenter. And as he's talking to Toby, Ren is completely not subtle about how he's into Spencer. Yeah, he's so ju- even he's just Toby, like flirting with her right in front of Toby. Even Toby is just like, uh, do you two know each other? And Spencer's <laughs> like, oh, well, yeah, Ren used to date Melissa. And Ren gives her this like pervert look. He's just like, <laughs> yeah, before something got in the way with this absolutely dry British innuendo. Yeah, he's not hiding it at all. And, like, even Toby's dumbass is like, hmm. Yeah, yeah, hard. Hmm. Uh, I like how they say that Toby has to stay the night because he has a concussion. Like, I really want to know, does the town of Rosewood, like, did they, like, pass their own, like, socialized medicine plan or something? They have amazing health care there. They'll let you stay in the hospital for any reason at all. Exactly, exactly. Most hospitals want your ass out of there no matter what. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Toby's... Like his broken arm is like it's a clean break, but they're going to keep him overnight because of the concussion. Which my notes, I can't take credit for my notes. Sometimes my notes say no, that's just his face. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Sorry, folks. Um, so after Ren leaves, Toby turns to Spencer and he's like, "Is there something you want to tell me?" And she's like, "Hmm." And then she gets a text from A, and the text is like, "Almost got him!" Exclamation mark. Yeah, and again, this is. Yeah, Toby won't be so lucky next time as a text from A. And again, I want to point out, this is after A told Spencer, like a few episodes ago, to keep Toby safe. I just like the playfulness of it that almost got him. Yeah, yeah. Exclamation point, yeah. So Toby wakes up in his hospital room later, and Jenna's there. Oh, before that, there's just a quick bit where it cuts back to the rest of the liars. They've mm-hmm. just got off the phone with Spencer about what's happening, and they have a little debate over whether or not Jenna, if if Jenna is A, whether or not Jenna would do this to Toby since she's, like, in love with him. Uh, and they theorize that perhaps Jenna's found a replacement, which we see later, of course, in the episode. She has. She has Noel Kahn now. Yes, so Jenna comes to see Toby in the hospital, and she's very mad. She's telling him, like, she's like, why did you go to that house? You're never supposed to go back to that house. It's not safe with those girls. Um, real quick, I want to say, I miss Shadow. Shadow the dog who we saw for yeah, one episode? The yeah. super creepy fucking dog. Yeah, she... <laughs> I, I think we can assume the dog probably, like, ran away. It's like, fuck this. It's like that fucking Zimbara from like the ring. the dog. Yeah. 
The um, dog, the dogs can weird. like you know sense evil, and the dog just like ran away. Yeah. Um, the, she tells Toby, "You need to be stronger." And then she tells him, "You know, he he kind of resists that." And she's just like, "Who knows you and cares about you like I do?" Yeah, she starts laying the creep on, and then she like gooses him under the sheets. Yeah, I mean, she's about to give him a full-on HJ under the hospital. No, that was she, like, uh, I think that was like a finger to the prostate is what she was going for there. Exactly. It, he needs to be stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jen, Jenna makes a comment about Spencer, which, oh my God, I want to just like adore this forever. Spencer will never be at peace, Jenna says, because she's haunted. Spencer's haunted, and I know a little about that. Haunted. I hope mm-hmm. you're putting that in your potential video editing that you're doing. Oh, there's so much stuff I can't put in it just because, you know, time reasons. But, uh, um, so Jenna is creepy obsessed with Toby. And we, seemingly, you could almost argue that, uh, this episode is very strange about just like the power that women have in this town. Presumably, if you haven't made a pass at Aria, you're gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jenna can pull any man she wants. She wants Toby, though. He's the, he's the only one who's resisting her. So, mm. I guess the question is, despite his face, do you think Toby has like, a huge dick? I wonder if Spencer knows about it. He is a carpenter. He's turning water into wine. And by I mean by that, I mean he's maybe a grower, not a shower. Who knows? Um, but I like how Jenna closes it off with a, we're family. Like, if it wasn't creepy enough, she has to drop yeah, that. Like yeah, Anytime yeah. anyone says, we're family on this show, it's like, warning sign. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Because the last person that said this shit was Ian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, later, Emily is, is, uh, she runs into Jenna at the hospital as she's coming, as Jenna's coming out of Toby's hospital room, and they have a bitch fest. I like how Emily's like, how dare you come here? It's like, yeah. uh, Emily, she is like his, you know, half sister or, or stepsister. It's not that, you know, damning of her to show up. Yeah, yeah. Jenna. Like, like, goes for the quick cuts, though, where... Jenna's just trying to start shit, yeah. She's... Yeah, she's like, what are you doing here, Emily? Like, once upon a time, you wanted to be more than friends. And Emily throws out, like, we're friends, as if that means more than the fact that mm-hmm. Jenna is technically family. And Emily, or Jenna's like, well, once upon a time, you wanted to be more than friends, and it's a good thing that didn't... Ha- or it's a good thing Toby didn't want that, because, gee, things will be really complicated with Maya. <laughs> and yeah, Emily's they have like, a little... Bitch. They have a little bitch off here. Spencer kind of shows up at the elevator halfway through it to just watch. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see. Jenna's like, you, you all should have left him alone. And, and Emily's just like, is that a threat? And she's like, you know, Jenna's just being creepy. Well, so. She throws out that everyone who gets close to these girls gets hurt, which mm-hmm. is fair. Very fair. So Jenna yeah. leaves to watch the elevator and Spencer's kind of like, leaning up against the wall out of the way as Jenna walks by and Jenna stops and just she just says Spencer like she stops and turns and says Spencer and then walks into the elevator which you know I've always said that bitch can see but I, I like it she's like she has an otherworldly sense of when Spencer is near and just I've had to seen, had to let Spencer know that she knows she's nearby I've seen a lot of spinals in my time dude this chick fucking walks exactly um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fantastic moment that turns almost chilling. Mm-hmm. So later on, Spencer's watching Emily watch Toby sleep. She, yeah. Emily's in the hospital room, Spencer's outside <laughs> looking in. I love that, like, that's exactly what my notes say, because that's the only way you could describe it. 
Well, you know, my, my whole doppelganger theory, very strong with Spencer and Emily in this episode. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Emily comes out because Spencer wants to talk to her and, and Spencer tells Emily that Jenna is, is essentially right and she's been putting Toby in danger and she knows it. And so she needs Emily to do her a favor, but she might hate Spencer for asking this favor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing too about the show is, I- you start to pick up on certain like like parlances and like ways that the, the show communicates its narrative. Um, if the four girls are in a scene together, it's kind of neutral for the most mm-hmm. part. But anytime that there's three girls or less, one character dominates. Yeah, yeah. And that really helps us, you know, from a recap perspective. But it kind of like, especially when you're like talking about like the theory, like it really helps out. And this, that scene in particular, yeah, it's just like Emily has somehow been like absorbed back into the Spencer persona. Mm-hmm. And so the thing, the favor Spence needs Emily to do is Emily goes in to, to wake up Toby up and breaks up with him for Spencer. Yeah, but she breaks up with him in this fascinating way that she tells Toby this story that before Spencer started seeing Toby, Spencer was, was with this guy. And, and, and it wasn't right. It wasn't right with heavy, like pregnant with meaning. Mm-hmm. And, but the guy is back now and pause, pause, pause. It's not right again. And then I just wrote down in my notes, cry, Toby, cry, exclamation mark. Well, so, Toby, Toby's face is doing that thing that his yeah, face does. Where his face clenches tight like an asshole. Yeah. Um, Toby's just like, why are you telling me this? And then well, at first Toby's just like, no, that's not true. And I just wanted to say, that's impossible. (laughs) Um, Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Like, like Toby wants to clench his literally broken hand or his big broken arm, broken hand, like, like hand gone. Mm -hmm. Um, he's like, why are you telling me this? And and he's just like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm your friend. I don't want you to get her. And he's just like, no, why are you telling me this? And she's like, well, Emily's just like, oh, yeah, Spencer can't handle it. And so well, Toby says, just fucking deal with it, Toby. But Toby wants to know who. He wants to know who, who the bro is. Because he already knows. Mm-hmm. So funny. later on in one of the many musical montages in this episode, we've got uh, Spencer staring out in the rain. This is after Toby's been dumped. Uh, and I like that the the rain on the window is putting like the shadows of tears on her face. You know? Yeah. Yeah. As Emily Emily comes in behind her to let Spencer know that uh, the deed has been done. Mm-hmm. This is I it's think a great, Spencer's it's house. It's a great like twenty second scene because we're basically the montage at that particular point is swallowed up by the Aria ness. Yeah, it's cutting back sure. and forth between like the Aria shit and this. But there's a great moment where like like you have Spencer like staring out the window and then Emily shows up and that look, like nonverbal look just communicates it's been done. It's over, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so later we're in Toby's room and Ren is checking on, on Toby and Ren says, you know, as Ponzi Britishness, like, Hey, you feeling all right? Anything can get you? And Toby responds with just some answers. <laughs> and Ren's just like, yeah, I kissed Spencer. She said you guys were on a break. Ren is dying to tell Toby this. Mm-hmm. On Toby, Toby's, this is where he tries to get all hard. He's just like, I think you better leave. He's like, you know, like, my other arm, one arm's broken. My other arm works just fine. Yeah. And now, do you think Ren took this seriously? I mean, he, he leaves, but I don't know. I feel like Ren's just like whatever. I I think he did take it a little bit seriously because he's just like, oh come on, mate. You know, like don't don't get hard on me. It's yeah. just like, man, you Americans are just touchy. 
Yeah, exactly. It's it's a it's a it's a combination between like pussing out and like being insensitive. Mm-hmm. It's insensitive pussing out. Yeah. Um uh somewhere in there another fucking musical montage starts up. <laughs> Uh, this one is a, the better finish. one, I would say. I don't know what the yeah, song yeah. is, but it, I, I can't remember the line from the song, but it it, it actually fits with the scene pretty nicely. Um, mm-hmm. Toby's packing up his shit in his hospital room, and he kind of like looks behind him and gives like Ren these like hateful looks through the hallway. It's like Ren's like talking to nurses it, or whatever Ren's does. Toby Toby's making that face that he makes. Yeah, yeah. it would be funny if in like the next episode Toby was dead because like he left when he had a concussion and he shouldn't have, and he like Toby. went to sleep and got brain damage or something. What is the guy's name? It's Keegan something? Keegan, Keegan Allen? Keegan Allen, yeah. Which is not a real name. It's not a real name. I don't I don't care who you are. That's not a real name. But uh maybe we're not praising Keegan Allen's choices enough, his craft <laughs> enough. Because his face it's like sometimes his face can really only communicate one thing, and maybe maybe his face is actually communicating like a myriad of, of You're saying uh, that, that Toby contains multitudes. I'm saying that very reluctantly. <laughs> so later very on, reluctantly. later on, Caleb comes over to see Spencer and Emily, yeah. and he says that Hannah like destroyed the flash drive with the uh, the video on it. But he reveals that he is not a fucking idiot. Of course, he has a backup of this shit. <laughs> He's like, yes, yes, I have a backup, you know. And he wants to continue working on it in secret behind Hannah's back because he wants to protect her. This is why Caleb goes where Caleb goes, because mm-hmm. he is completely devoid of whatever quality all the other, I mean, literally all the other men in Rosewood are, are possessed by, because he's not a fucking moron. He's like, yes, I backed it up. I mean, like, Caleb stands, like, head and shoulders apart from every other male mm. in Rosewood. <laughs> every Spencer, Spencer is reluctant to lie to Hannah or Caleb here. And Caleb's like, well, I want to know what Hannah's so afraid of. Yeah, but he's he's willing to keep working on it as long as they now keep it a secret from Hannah. But mm-hmm. he wants answers. So later on, we, we get a meetup of Emily, Spencer, and Arya, and we find out that they told Caleb that Jenna is trying to frame them for Allison's murder and that Garrett is helping her, and that Ian's confession like wasn't uh, potentially legit. But they've they've left out the whole A situation for now. They that's all that's all Caleb needs to know as far as they're concerned. They have a new flash drive that they insert in the Spencer's computer. But real quick, Ari's outfits. Ari's outfit. Go ahead. There's there's some red and black stripes. There's that's some black colors. and white stripes. It's like a cross between like Freddy the Krueger, like Freddy Krueger, and Winona Ryder's outfit from Beetlejuice. And if you combine that hybrid. And had it fuck a zebra to death. And the product is, is total cuteness. Well, as I've long pointed out, red and black are Arya's colors. They're also A's colors. But she was she was wearing a lot of like black and white stripes earlier in this episode. I think like literally mm-hmm. her two outfits previous to this were black and white stripes of various mm-hmm. forms. Now it's like I don't know how to describe what she's wearing here, but it's black and white stripes meet red and white stripes. It's adorable and so weird mm-hmm. i don't think salvador dolly could join us on this podcast and explain aria's clothes to a listener she's wearing house a's colors she is indeed um so the video comes up and spencer tries to get to play and spencer has the greatest line of <laughs> spencer to where she says dance you little bastards 
as she plays the video. <laughs> In the video, uh, it's just back with, it's like picking up where we left off, where Ian, Jenna, Thing, and Garrett are all in Allie's room, uh, and now they, they hear somebody coming, and, you know, upstairs. Maybe it's Allie. Uh, and at this point, Ian reveal he grabs the, the hidden camera and reveals to Garrett that it's there, and the, the basically, like, this is his way of blackmailing Garrett back on the team. He's like, you think you can get out? Like, not fat, you know, not so well, fast, Garrett, buddy. I got you on video now. Garrett never says what was in the box, let alone what made it so weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garrett and Ian are fighting, and Jenna's screaming out, she's coming up the stairs. And Spencer is almost gleeful at this point as, as she, she guesses that they're about to watch the last few seconds of Allison's life. Which, play that against, I don't remember what episode from season one, where they watch like the first iteration of the Kissing Rock video. Yeah, yeah, where they think they're seeing her die. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, Spencer's, Emily's like terrified. Like, she does not want Caleb to find any more of these videos. But Spencer's like, well, if he can get more of these videos, you know, maybe we can really go to the cops and this can finally be over. And like, Emily has a line that she delivers, which I feel like it can be interpreted on multiple levels, like, over, over? Like, number one, can it finally be done? Is that possible? Number two, Spencer, remember at the end of season one, we went to the cops and that really like, burned you personally? <laughs> well, then the video stops there. So all they know is somebody's about to come in, in the door. They yeah. don't know who. Uh, and then outside, uh, they hear like a door shut and they look out and, and like Toby's truck is down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, seemingly he, he's dropped it off for her. So she, they all go down there. There's a note on the dash that Emily takes out and hands to Spencer, and Spencer reads it and starts crying and says he's gone. Um, real quick, I want to say that it's a great metaphor that looking out Spencer's room, what you see is that yard and the barn. Mm-hmm. You see the barn we saw in the very first scene of the pilot when Allison disappeared. It's that yard in the barn where you saw that video of Allison like walking and the, the long shadow... It wasn't a video, just a picture, but yeah. The picture, sorry. But at the same time, mm-hmm. the first secret, it's also with the weird burlap sack, you know, doll thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I love it that that's always there. Whenever Spencer looks out her window, and the Spencer, like her house, is such a bizarre, like, like haunted house slash metaphor that this is what she sees when she looks out the window. You know, she'll never, she'll never escape that night. But mm-hmm. on top of it, so to get away from that window and get out of her room to come downstairs of her house, every time she does that in this show, it's to something new and terrible, like <laughs> Ian drinking milk or whatever. Yeah. But the good uh, news here is that Toby's gone. Yeah, for all of us. He's going to go make that face in some other town for a while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let me so, get the A-tag. A-tag. They're on the bulletin board, there are pictures of the four liars kissing their mm-hmm. significant other, you know, like... Arya and Fitz, Hannah and Caleb, Spence and Toby, Maya and uh, and Emily. And A takes down the Fitz and Arya photo, cuts it in half, like right between them, and burns the Fitz half in a trash can. Right. And then and then A does the same to the Spencer and Toby photo. And I thought it was interesting how Spencer and Arya were on different sides of the photo, so the two halves that are left over, it's like Spencer's kissing Arya when, she, when A puts them Whoa. both down. This is really interesting because I, I don't know if it really means anything or ties into the theory, but so, so she cuts Spencer and Toby half, like photo in half. Mm-hmm. She does the same thing where she lights a Toby half portion in fire and tosses it into the trash. Mm-hmm. And then, because now, mind you, Ezra and Toby are, are on fire in the trash can. Then A tosses another half of a photo 
into mm-hmm. the fire. A third half. We, we don't, don't see know who that is. Yeah, it's, it's flipped over. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, who could be next? And so the next episode is called A Kiss Before Lying, which is really <laughs> brilliant considering the, how that's, this episode ends. Well, that's such a perfect uh, PLL title, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's um, like noirish, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But just like you know, last last week's episode ended with like the scaffolding being like unscrewed. I, it it kind of reminds me like a lot of people complained about it, but do you remember that episode of Buffy Two to Go, where the uh, previous episode ended with the line of dialogue "One down." Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, that, yeah. It reminds me of that. Um, yeah, I mean, we're still several episodes away from the ending of season two, but it's things are really heating up. The wheel of fire is really spinning up. Mm-hmm. And that is it for the blonde leading the blind. Uh, on the wiki here, it says that the showrunner, I, Marlon King, considers the, uh, the, like, the Ezria stuff in this episode to be better than sex. I don't know where they're getting that quote or anything from, but just think about that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's about it. Nothing else. Next time we talk, we'll be talking about A Kiss Before Lying. Uh, I did want to mention one thing. If you've been listening to this podcast all along, you may have noticed that I used to post two to four episodes a week, and that has slowed down. Uh, the reason that slowed down is because we had about a almost a season's worth of episodes in the can when yeah. I first started posting them. So we're caught up now. So now it's going to be a little bit slower. It's actually going to, we're doing it in real time now rather than having a bunch of pre-recorded episodes and that I hadn't got around to posting. The last episode was recorded while we were on vacation. It's been it? about two weeks since we recorded, or a week oh, and a half. It has been a while, yeah. Yeah, it's been about two weeks. Yeah, it's been a while. That's, That's why I, I double our last night and said that I need to pay a like, podcast back in my life. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> but there's a good chance in like, the next couple of weeks that we might start speeding this up. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think we're about due to take a, a season break for the main Time Trial Murder Mystery podcast, so... Yeah. Hopefully, it will be more of that soon. Uh, if you guys want to join in the conversation, you can go to timetrialmurdermystery.com slash PLL. And uh, I think we'll like talk, to you guys, talk to you guys later. Right. Peace.